0: about how we are to live in this world God so loves. As you heard in our assurance of pardon, to read the gospel is to know one thing for certain, that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And at the very least, that means that we need to take forgiveness seriously. God's forgiveness, our own forgiveness, and the forgiveness of others. And so that is what we are going to do during our Lenten season. We're going to take forgiveness seriously because we are forgiven people. So over the next weeks, we'll ask questions and read scriptures that shed light on this essential and also very complicated topic. I want to say from the outset that there are no promises that come Easter, we will be experts in forgiveness because forgiveness is more art than science. There is no formula, there is no one-size-fits-all method to forgiveness. But by exploring it for weeks on end, I do think that we'll all be better equipped to mine the depths of our own lives with attention to forgiveness we've received, offered, withheld, desired, maybe even demanded at times. Forgiveness is a broad topic, and preparing for worship over the next weeks, I've been reminded of just how far the ripples can go when you start talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is personal. It's communal. If you start thinking about the places in your life and the life of our world where you've witnessed forgiveness or where you are praying you will witness forgiveness— it will likely bring up some hard memories and raw emotions because forgiveness always intersects with the grittiest and most painful places in our lives and in our world. Forgiveness inevitably intersects with topics like love and confession and reconciliation and evil and violence and justice and truth, which is in part why we need to spend at least six weeks on it. And even that will not be enough time. We will not answer every question or get to every great scripture on the topic, but I trust that we will begin to ask better questions together. And I hope that worship in these next weeks will surface some of your own questions and longings and emotions around forgiveness. And I hope that you will pay attention to what gets stirred in you in worship. When something surfaces, even if it's painful, consider that affirmation that you are taking your forgiveness seriously. Now, as I've prepared for worship, I have found it helpful to return to an image of a prism, Of course, a prism, when light hits it, allows us to see colored rays refracted and shining through. And so I think that image is helpful to keep in mind. Think of your life as a prism and imagine God's forgiveness that we proclaim week after week at the confession as the beam of true light that shines through the prism of your life and it gets refracted in different ways, which means that we see different things. So sometimes the light you see might be red. Another time it might be the full complement of colors. Sometimes the rays might be short and glittery. Other times they may stretch far off into the distance. Our experience of forgiveness is a little bit like those refracted rays. They don't necessarily all look the same, but they are all reflections of that true light of God's forgiveness, which inevitably teach us something of God's forgiveness. And so as I've thought about worship in the next weeks, I've thought about rays of light. Each week we'll hone in on a different ray of light that is being refracted through the prism of our lives. But to talk about forgiveness, we have to define it. So we all know that we are speaking the same language. And so today we're going to ask and attempt to answer the most obvious question, what is forgiveness? Now I'm reminded of the pastor, Reverend Dr. Charlie Shedd, who served a Presbyterian church in Houston for many years. Charlie and his wife Martha were well known for their many books and articles and classes on marriage, parenting, and family life. Many years ago, Charlie and Martha taught a course on parenting titled, How to Raise Children. I want you to know they taught that course before they had any children. Then after they had children and their children were young, they taught the same course and they titled it, Suggestions on Raising Children. (laughs) And then when their children were teenagers, they taught the same course and they titled it, Feeble hints from fellow strugglers. So that is what I offer you today and in the weeks ahead. Feeble hints from a fellow struggler. Before we turn to scripture, let's pray. Spirit of the living God, with your word, melt us, mold us, fill us, so that we may be shaped by the word that you have for us today. And that we may live as people who know that your spirit has fallen afresh on us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture comes from the gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 27 through 36. But I, that is Jesus, say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes away what is yours, do not ask for it back again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. Instead, love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Were you listening? Did you hear what word? was not mentioned in that scripture forgiveness and yet i do think that this scripture offers us some important clarifications to keep in mind when we talk about forgiveness and a working definition and so that is what i want us to unpack today the two clarifications and then a definition the first clarification comes from that question were you listening jesus opens by saying that these instructions are for those who are listening now that's what we do when we come to church on sunday morning we listen for the voice of god so that we can leave this place and go live out god's commands in the world in the name of jesus christ we are forgiven We hear on Sunday morning and that's the good news that we come back to hear week after week after week forgiveness begins with God listening to that good news I'm curious though how often you've heard this good news proclaimed on Sunday morning only to leave this place and return to life just as it was before worship started you drive home and you find yourself immediately annoyed and maybe resentful that yet again your neighbor has left toys in your driveway and you can't even pull into your garage. Come Sunday evening after you would promised yourself to be better this week, you can't help but to open the wine bottle and once again your spouse is commenting on how alcohol impacts your relationship. Your phone call to a family member, which is meant to bring warmth to a relationship that turned cold, ends in frustration. Both of you regretting the call, making it, or answering it. Come Monday morning, you check your work email and find yourself peeved by the terse response from a coworker long before you ever make it to your desk and have to look this person in the eye. And then during carpool on Monday morning, your child casually mentions that she has a huge project due the next day and needs you to buy all the supplies before she gets home in the afternoon. And you can't help but roll your eyes because you had asked explicitly over the weekend what was coming up to avoid this very situation. It doesn't take long after we leave worship on Sunday morning to go back to life as it was before, to return to the mess of life just as it was before we worshiped God. We come to worship and hear the good news that in the name of Jesus Christ we are forgiven, but annoyances don't cease. Life goes on with just as many nuisances as there were before church, And those little things just remind us that God's ability to forgive doesn't magically mend all that is broken or frayed in our lives. It doesn't guarantee that we will be patient or disciplined or gentle with others. It doesn't guarantee that we'll be kind to ourselves. In my experience, it's easier than it should be to leave worship on Sunday morning and forget that most amazing news that indeed we are forgiven. That's because we're human. And human relationships are messy. And we can't forgive in the way God forgives us. So that is the second important clarification. When we talk about forgiveness, human forgiveness is always, always different than God's forgiveness. Remember that prism? The light of God's forgiveness that shines through our lives, it stretches, it bends, it gets distorted. That's how the refracted light comes out. Our forgiveness will never be the same as God's forgiveness. So that's why we keep showing up week after week to hear that good news. We won't get it from anyone or anywhere else in our lives. And yet, any time we see a ray of forgiveness in our lives or the lives of others, we can be sure that it starts with God. Forgiveness always begins with God. So those are the two premises for our conversation about forgiveness. One, it always begins with God. And two, God's forgiveness is not the same as human forgiveness. But as jesus offers his tangible instructions i think he gets us close to a working definition by telling us very specific action items listen to what he says to do love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you if anyone strikes you on the cheek offer the other also And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes away what is yours, don't ask for it back again. So I wonder when you learned how to hit back. I grew up right in between two boys. I credit my loud voice and ability to project for all the opportunities they gave me to speak over them throughout childhood. There was a lot of roughhousing in my house. And there were plenty of arguments that were solved without using words. And I can tell you that not once in my childhood did I witness either of my brothers offer the other cheek in the midst of an argument. And I certainly didn't offer mine either. Now, whether you learned it from a sibling or elsewhere, early on the world teaches us to punch back. But Jesus says the opposite. All of these scenarios he lists back are a punch in the face, being hated, being cursed, being mistreated, a literal punch in the face. And with every example Jesus spells out, he says, don't do the instinctual thing and punch back. Do the opposite. When you get punched in the face, refrain from punching And that is the simplest definition I have been able to craft about human forgiveness. Not punching back. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm not saying with this definition. I did not say that forgiveness is when you get punched in the face and you choose to forget. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Forgiveness is amnesty not amnesia sometimes these words of scripture just like forgiveness they get confused for affirming or condoning awful actions from others but that's not what jesus is saying jesus is actually offering us a way to choose amnesty do good to those who hate you in other words say by your actions however much you hate me I will not hate you you don't get to turn me into a monster bless those who hate you in other words mind your speech try not to lose your temper pray for those who abuse you in other words sometimes abuse is incredibly difficult to become disentangled from But remember that God is always as much a part of any story as you are. So in prayer, ask God to be present not just to you, but also to your enemy. Offer the other cheek. In other words, not just don't get into a fight, because then there's still really no difference between you and them, but don't let those who hate you think that you can be intimidated by violence. Don't withhold your shirt. In other words, surprise your enemy with generosity. Show them you have not become like them. Give to everyone who begs. In other words, remember that even when you can only think about how you've been hurt, There is always someone worse off than you, and reaching out to them is a way of rescuing yourself from self-pity. Don't ask for your property back. In other words, remember that you will lose everything when you die. So live in a way that your possessions don't define who you are. Get punched in the face, and resist the urge and the instinct to punch back. That is what is leaking, lurking just underneath the surface of each of these instructions. Forgetfulness is not part of the equation. Forgiveness starts with the decision not to be defined by resentment or antagonism. But this is where forgiveness ripples into a lot of other areas. And so I think it's helpful to name what it is, but it is gonna overlap with a lot of other things. Forgiveness is not condoning violent actions. Forgiveness is not love. Forgiveness is not reconciliation either. Forgiveness is simply the choice not to punch back. Because to punch back is to say in one way or another, this must be all there is there could be no other end to this story than broken noses and a mouth full of blood but when you choose not to punch back the most amazing thing happens the story shifts refusing to succumb to violence is how we bring god back into the equation It's a way of saying that God's power to weave grace and mercy back into the story and bring good out of evil is greater than our power as humans to ruin the story. And oh, how tempting it is to believe that we have the power to ruin the story. Not punching back allows us to build towards things like love and reconciliation. But forgiveness is the choice not to punch back. I want you to think about that this week. I want you to think about your own definition for forgiveness. And as you think about it, ask yourself if you've confused forgiveness with forgetfulness. Or have you confused forgiveness with condoning violence or reconciliation or love? Then ask yourself where forgiveness has shown up in your life. When have you resisted the urge to punch back? When have you given God the chance to weave grace and mercy back into the parts of your life and your relationships that need it the most? we're working our way toward the cross, the ultimate symbol of God's forgiveness. And Jesus's instructions are a foreshadowing of Jesus's own journey to the cross. Maybe you heard it as I read his instructions, but Jesus went to the cross because he loved those who hated him. And as he went to the cross, he was cursed, abused, stripped of his clothes, he was humiliated and yet at every step he modeled what it means to resist the urge to punch back he didn't forget what had happened he did not choose amnesia he did not choose violence he began to show us a model of forgiveness Now, I know God's forgiveness is not the same as humans' forgiveness. We cannot do what he did. But his instructions and his example do force us to ask of ourselves, will we turn into the people who hate us? Or will we trust that God's power to bring good out of evil is greater than our own power to ruin the story? That is the question we begin to answer when we choose not to punch back. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.